0: Welcome to the GRC Professional Podcast, where we discuss all things GRC.
1: Everyone has a feeling when it's not going right. They do. In their gut, they know, or when they step back out of the context, they've got a better feel for it's not quite right, and that's what that's what his stories could give perspective, because they'd invited an independent party who could kind of look at it and go, yeah, you're right, your gut was right, let's dig deeper and we'll give you the facts about it. Um, but it, it, was, it was, you know, full circle on that conversation, but how... Uh, how fragile that is for a whole lot of organizations you know one little outlier can really drag you down.
0: Welcome to the GRC professional podcast my name is Kwame Slusher I'm the editor of the GRC professional magazine and the GRC professional online and today we have with us managing director Naomi Burley hi Naomi. Hello Kwame. So uh, today we're going to be doing something a bit different Um, just like last year we're going to do a bit of a wrap-up from the 23rd GRC annual conference. So Naomi um I guess we could jump straight into it. you know what you know what were some of the I guess we should start with you know what was the theme of the conference?
1: okay, yeah. so the theme you know we've been talking about this a while yeah. the theme was centered around trust um, and we had lots of dialogue with members after we announced that that's the theme. Um, that varied throughout the 12-month period in the sort of lead-up and all the prep and talking about conduct and culture and going back and forth on this. But the essential thing is it did actually come back to trust and I thought it was really interesting um, and I was very relieved when it all came together on day two that that all followed through with some really concrete things you could do with it and and that it's not this nebulous concept that everybody seems to think it is. So... Yeah, that's where we started. We started this journey with coming up with, um, with a discussion around trust and the essential role that compliance professionals play in that rebuilding of trust for lots and lots of organisations.
0: All right. Um, So I guess we could zoom in just a little bit more. I know. I guess what were some of, you know, once you're putting that program together, you know, what were some of the things that you hoped members would sort of get from the sort of varied set of speakers that we had?
1: Okay. So when we're putting together a conference, um, it has to meet multiple needs. So just like balancing all your multiple stakeholders, we're trying to cram into that two days a whole lot of things for our members. So although we have this central theme, and I think we answered that, What I've got to make sure is on that program is access to regulators and the the latest regulatory messages they want to get out. Um, I've got to make sure there are key messages in there to remind our members to invest in themselves and to anticipate the skill set that they're going to need to plan for in the coming 12 months to 24 months. Um, And we need to have some technical regulatory stuff, whatever's the hot topic to sort of delve into some detail because other people aren't really doing that in the level of detail that our members need it. And then I need to go back to the theme. I need to give really big takeaways um, around those big ticket items that we sort of built into the theme. So I think we actually were able to do that in a lot of ways this year. Um, Andrea sort of kicked off the whole thing and she had been a fantastic speaker who had, who had liaised with us at multiple times. Um, in advance of the conference, she was always looking at the headlines and ringing me up and saying, okay, what do you think we should do now? And sort of playing around with it. And where we ended up in this big cycle of is we came back to we need our members to focus on what they need to do to upskill themselves, how they need to approach themselves as a professional, and um, and really centering themselves on um, viewing the next two days of the conference as an investment in themselves. And
0: That's she- Andrea Clark. Um, just getting her full name, says Andrea Clark. And she was the author of Future First. Is Future Fit. Future yes. Fit.
1: Yeah. 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 So she's the author of that. And um, yeah, she's and she was amazing. I yeah. thought that was really, really good and a really good place to start. So, you know, I got a huge list and um, takeaways from that latest research on it. 25 days of professional development or investing in yourself. Yeah, and learning um, a
0: skill before the year is out.
1: Yeah. Learning <laughs> a new skill before the year is out. big. Big tasks, so homework on, <laughs> from the first speaker. Um, I, I guess then we moved into you know the highlight of day one, and there were some great sessions on day one. But you know what we knew everyone had come come for was the regulator panel, um, which had started out with um, fewer regulators on it. So for apologies to everyone who kept being concerned about the time it was taking, um, it, we ended up with more regulators saying yes than we'd originally set aside time for. So, everyone was um, very, very uh, worked very well in partnership to um, to hone down their messages mm. and um, I thought it was a really, really valuable session. Um, the insights were fantastic. The, those regulators know our members really, really well so they knew they didn't have to explain compliance to them. They could go straight to whatever their key messages were, whatever they were observing, what they wanted people to change. It was all really, really useful stuff and I know that we had delegates who who um, who said that they were sort of ringing up work after that session and saying, okay, well, we're not, we're going to stop doing this. Mm-hmm. We're not going to respond to the regulator in this way. And we're going to do XYZ instead, um, which was really, you know, that's what you meant to get out of that session.
0: And I, I thought it was really interesting, you know, the, the last presenter in a regulatory panel, Ben Kelly from ATO, you know, he did something a bit different where instead of looking outwards, um, people, regulated entities, he looked inwards and looked at some of the changes that ATO needed to make and some of the Mm. challenges they had. So I thought that was interesting to have that kind of illustrative lesson. It was. Uh, It was really,
1: really generous of Ben to do that. And the funny thing was that even though um, I'd been in those prep meetings with all of those regulatory speakers, um, they weren't going to consciously tackle the same topic. It was a theme. Mm. It wasn't just the regulated who had had to have a recalibration and had to look at trust again it's all the regulators. Um, You know, even with someone like AFCA coming in their one year anniversary, they had to hit the ground running and look like the real deal and be taken seriously on day one. So they were all sharing that challenge. And then Ben just gave us some really great insights into how the ATO is gaining maturity in that space. So yeah, it's really, really valuable. Really, they they were great speakers. I can't praise them highly enough. and then, and then we spent the afternoon looking at, again, AI and Ethics was aimed at um, this, this is a future fit challenge for all of us. We need to get really across what technology looks like and get really familiar with those terms, what it might mean. You don't have to be able to code, although some people have suggested that's a valuable skill. Mm-hmm. But you really need to know what you're talking about when you use the word data, as we discovered, you know, on day two. Um, You really need to understand what your organisation has embraced already because a lot of organisations are trying to be innovative in this space and using technology for different purposes. And if you and compliance aren't aware of what's going on, there there are a whole lot of risks opened up for you um, in that space. So it was, I think that was a really valuable discussion and something somewhere we will continue to go. uh, in future events, both throughout the year and, and potentially next year's conference as well, and then um, and then when we got onto the sort of the, those sort of uh, out there new topics for people, this whistleblowing and modern slavery yep. and playing around in that space, um, I think people. Uh, still have a bit of a sense of it not applying to them or it being a nice to have or a policy being adequate or it not being terribly relevant to the Australian market. And I hope that our speakers really um, drove home the point that it's terribly relevant to us. It's a very complex challenge to take on credibly and credibility is absolutely essential in this space um, because it's one of your trust points as well, both from your employees and your customer base. Um, So, you know, talk about handling multiple stakeholders. This is really upping the challenge in the same year that we all have to understand what fairness really means um, and redefine that boundary. Um, So uh, it it was really, um, you know, there were really great speakers on that topic. And again, I think this is something we'll continue to revisit. and we want to make sure as well that in compliance, you're across this. It's not something that your CSR or marketing area or HR think they're handling because we all know that that can be piecemeal and siloed and doesn't contribute to you having the data to handle how you're going for these risks and they're regulatory risks. Mm. They're real regulatory risks for you. Um, and then, and one of my favourite sessions of the whole conference was the last um, session, looking at um, trust governance, conduct, and accountability, and uh, getting getting the sort of short potted history, straight up history of Bear. Yeah,
0: that was interesting. Um,
1: I still remain incredibly disappointed that ASIC are not going to call their version of it Fear. <laughs> <laughs> what is their acronym? It's something much more complicated. Uh, so like. Phenicia or something like that, I'm not quite sure. Um, They should have stuck with fear. In any case, really, really interesting to have those perspectives. Um, I think that there is a huge role for compliance professionals to contribute to directors. I think that the challenge for directors is very much underestimated by by people in those roles. Um, Not by all of them. I mean, Pauline's obviously a very um, well-equipped director, but she's also been an ex-regulator. So she's ahead of the game in comparison to a lot of directors out there. And um, I think they lack confidence. I don't think they know how to challenge. I don't think they know how to focus on non-financial risks. And I think it's um, a huge area where compliance professionals can step up into an advisory and education role Mm -hmm. and support their professional development. And I just think the reality is for directors that the hours that they spend in face-to-face meetings It's going to have to increase, they are going to have to allow more time to get across the complexity of papers and to get a real understanding of um, these issues that they're meant to be accountable for.
0: Yeah, and the same Pauline Vamas that you just mentioned, who's from Broad Financial Services, um, I thought it was really interesting to get a direct perspective on Mm -hmm. the bear and the impact that she thinks it'll actually have versus the kind of, I guess, slogan impact that we've been getting from regulators and other people. Um you know I felt like she was a bit of a reality check, you know like saying, you know bit this is what's actually going to happen. this is as a director, what I'm going to do in response to the various not just going to cleanly fall into these sets of slots that the regulator thinks it's going to fall into so I think it it raises some interesting questions, and maybe um if there were regulators still in the room um, sitting in the audience, maybe that would probably have been interesting for them to hear.
1: I think so. I think that Pauline also highlighted some unintended consequences yep. of this kind of regime um there always are unintended consequences. I think it's going to be the um, upping of education requirements and uh, and time, the time factor for directors, as well as you know. I mean, she says from a practical point of view what they're going to do around managing those responsibilities. I thought her comments were really, really pertinent and incredibly valuable. Yeah.
0: As well. And I think and there's a bit of an echo in that, um, Professor Elizabeth Sheedy, who obviously was not at our conference, but there's one of the things that she's been always saying is we don't actually know what the impact of this accountability regime is going to have. So I think it's gonna yeah. be interesting.
1: It's very early days, to, yeah. but if Pauline's comments are an indicator of how people are handling it in the early period, yeah. Um, and those organizations who have been asked to adopt it already are meant to be very sophisticated organisations, it's very interesting. Um, you know, when it spreads to smaller organisations who are already not coping. Mm. Um, Yeah, so, you know, then then that led us into day two where we got to go back to our theme. And and, um, I just, we were so fortunate to have Nicole Gillespie um, there to talk about rebuilding trust. And it was that whole of you're going to have to do an entire renovation. (laughs) You're going to have to clean out, demo a few walls and um, get really clear on everything all the way through Um, and so it was really, you know, it was very practical, very interesting to to hear her perspective and what the research is saying and that's very much where she kept going back to, the research tells us this, it doesn't matter what your theories might be, this is what the research tells you will happen and what you need to do. Um, Really, really clear steps forward. And then that was just backed up further by um, Heather and Victoria talking about measuring culture and its impact on conduct because everybody loves a meaningful data set and a meaningful graph. I know we don't have to have everything driven by data, but by golly, it's great when you've got evidence and you've got um, things you can drill down into to understand uh, what might be going on in a subculture within your organisation that's going to that's going to have your outlier take everyone down below the, the tolerance line. Um,
0: oh, just to interject there, that's yeah. Heather Lowenthal and Victoria Whittaker.
1: <laughs> Sorry. Um, Heather is
0: actually one of our directors, but I think she and Victoria were there speaking from the perspective of Deloitte.
1: That's right, yeah. our new yeah. principal member, Deloitte. I yeah. um, invited them on board to get up and shine, and shine they did. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and look, and then that was just, again, further reinforced by Attractor, um, Largan, who came in about managing values and, you know, what you need to do to get actual ethical conduct. And it was all around the context and it, it was just full circle. You know, what Nicole's research was saying, Attractor put it back into really, really practical terms around you get your conduct, context right if, if your peer group's doing the same thing you'll come in and you'll adopt that ethical conduct of your peer group but you need to skill people up to um manage that peer group it's the same as you know it's it's the whole lord of the flies analogy if you want kids to behave well in a playground you need to talk to them about values skill them up in how to have conversations about those values and to stand up for other people and explain what you want to do and and support them through that as opposed to just leaving them on the island to sort themselves out.
0: Yeah. I think before that session it was also the, the consumer data rate um, panel.
1: There was. Yeah. There's a, I was going to get to that. Next. Don't you worry, <laughs> I didn't skip it. So yeah, so just as, just as a final roundup, that other quotient that we always, always, always have to answer is that technical component. Mm-hmm. And you know, two of the big things that have come out this this year has all been around CDR, um, the changes in privacy, I really wanted to highlight what the difference was between yeah. the two, so we had two separate panels. I didn't want to conflate them, and, um, you know, your digital platforms a whole other conversation that we will continue to have, but I really wanted to, to tease those two out. Um, what, what consumer data right is and isn't. Um, and because although it's only in certain sectors now, this is something that has been um, on the playbooks for a while from the Productivity Commission as an essential consumer right and, and different, uh, like, like our panel members said, different from privacy um, but very much essentially around consumers being able to have that, their own data work for them as well um, and that puts a workload on organisations um, that they need to really plan for and be future fit for yep. as well. Um, And then uh, not lastly, (laughs) um, we had Sarah Ewan in there and and Sarah had very kindly volunteered to do this session to sort of G everybody up. Um, We always work on the soft skills as well. This was another thing I think we all need to be future fit for, speak better. Um, And, you know, I edited my last notes, our last speaker edited his notes after listening to Sarah, but Sarah's always really, really good value. And, you know, when she got down to... um, getting your story right and really working through what your core message is. And if you can't say it in a sentence, you can't say it in an hour, it was just brilliant. So, you know, big huge thank you to Sarah.
0: Yeah, Sarah Ewan from Public Speaking for Life. That's right. Yeah. And there yeah. will be a future podcast with her sort of discussing some of a, a smaller version of those core elements that were discussed at the conference.
1: That's right. And yeah. she, you know, she uh, made me feel really good about speaking quickly all the time because <laughs> she said that's completely okay. So Sarah says it's okay. It's okay.
0: So people should just listen faster. That's you know? right. They should. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And look, last but certainly not least was Jem. Yeah. Um, Kroll sort of... Uh, we've had lots of conversations with um, with Jem over, uh, over a number of years now because he's been working in Singapore and he always has a really good story to tell. So they do a lot of investigative due diligence, like the really nitty-gritty, sending out um, private investigator kind of stuff. So it's always a great story. And he didn't disappoint... Um, I think if there's any lessons to learn there is that, um, if it doesn't smell right on the surface, you're probably right. Because every time he's sort of been brought in by a client, it's usually when they smelt a rat, they didn't quite know what to do with it. They needed some verification and they needed someone who was willing to stand up to the sales team and say, no, you can't do this. but, you know, great, great, great stories. And uh, Jim's going to be working with us a lot more in the future. Um, he's going to be based in Sydney for um, the next couple of years at least. So uh, we look forward to having him on a podcast or a webinar soon.
0: Yeah, definitely. And, and his session was interesting because it sort of summarised a lot of the conversations we'd had over the two days on trust and reputational risk. and
1: Yeah, and how fragile it is. Yeah, exactly. It's, it just takes, but, you know, and this is the thing about the context. This is the thing about the trust thing. Everyone has a feeling when it's not going right. They do. In their gut, they know, or when they step back out of the context, they've got a better feel for it's not quite right. And that's what that's what his stories could give perspective because they'd invited an independent party who could kind of look at it and go, yeah, you're right. Your gut was right. Let's dig deeper and we'll give you the facts about it. Um, but it, it was it was, you know, full circle on that conversation. But how... Uh, how fragile that is for a whole lot of organisations. You know, one little outlier can really drag you down.
0: All right, well, excellent. So that was really the wrap-up for the conference. Um, I hope um, you guys that didn't attend the conference suddenly feel terribly (laughs) sad and upset that you missed all this great lineup of speakers and that we will definitely see you next year at the...
1: We will. And we're inviting people to send us through ideas for what they think the big theme will be for 2020. I don't know. We haven't got a Royal Commission on the horizon. We're recruiting more compliance people. It will be very interesting to see what comes up there. We will continue... uh, having it in the two-day format again because we just think there's so much we can discuss in the two days, mm. but it will still be that smaller audience. So we're still going to cap it at 100 yeah. um, for our most experienced members. Um, so, yeah, please send through your ideas for uh, what you think the themes are. If you think you'd be a really great speaker, send me a pitch. I'd love to hear it.
0: Excellent. Well, thank you very much, Naomi, for your time.
1: Yeah, thanks, Kwame. Yeah.
0: This podcast was a production of the Governance Risk and Compliance Institute and the music was produced by Rob Neary.